Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career, and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My guest today is Rosie Nixon. Rosie is editor-in-chief of Hello! magazine, where she has worked for the past 13 years and is an author of four books, including The Stylist and Just Between Friends. She has worked in the magazine industry for over 20 years and previously held senior positions at glossy women's titles, including Grazia, Glamour and Red, and in 2017 was named Editor of the Year by the British Society of Magazine Editors. Rosie has just released her first non-fiction title, Be Kind, packed with inspirational quotes, tips and pearls of wisdom from famous personalities, experts and inspirational leaders alike. Each page of her beautiful book will help you be kinder to yourself and to other people and the planet. Rosie lives in Surrey with her two young boys and husband, and when she's not keeping on top of the latest Royal and Showbiz news, she is passionate about the issues concerning women and children and their right to equality, and is also a proud ambassador of the charity Safe Hands. With such a brilliant reputation, loyalty and an advocate of the power of kindness, I am really excited to chat today to Rosie and find out all about the moments that have shaped her life. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Rosie. Thanks, Jenny. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. And just to kind of start with um, talking about your book, I've always been a massive advocate of kind of being a kind-hearted good person Mm. and that can equal success Mm -hmm. um I think I've been in lots of situations before where um you know I've witnessed a lot of unkind behavior and people think that that means you're gonna go far in life so Mm -hmm. and when I first met you I have to say 
you kind of like have this warm, natural kindness about you. So I really wanted to ask, why does kindness mean so much to you? And why did you want to release this book? Yeah. Oh, thanks. That's really nice of you to say that. And sometimes I think that's a really kind thing to do as well, isn't it? It's very, it's so true. You really do. what you think. It's always so lovely to hear. And I really try and make an effort to do that as well. So thank you, Jenny. Um, Yeah, well, the book really was a kind of lockdown baby of mine. Um, Mm. And it struck me that obviously during the very difficult 18 months that we've all just experienced, we did see some incredible acts of kindness amongst all the terrible hardships that that we all face there was acts of kindness within our communities towards our work colleagues our families and I was seeing so many lovely sort of inspiring words appear across social media that I thought it would be really lovely to bring them all together and put them in one place and create this book that you could dip into you know perhaps it's something you might have on your bedside table and you open it up when you need a little reminder Um, the book is in three sections one the first one is all about kindness towards ourselves mm-hmm. because of course kindness has to start with number one. Oh, hundred percent until we learn yeah. um you know self-care and how to treat ourselves with compassion we simply don't have the capacity to be kind to others so that that's really important and then obviously kindness to each other to one another and then kindness to the planet which is obviously a big issue at the moment um and yeah kindness is a learned behavior it's not something we're born with it's not innate and we have to remind ourselves constantly to be kind so I think the more that you hear it and the more that you're you know have some inspiration and kind of tips because often we don't know what self-care means you know does it mean having a bath or lighting a candle and yes it can mean that to some people sometimes but it can be a lot more than that too yeah and both lighting a candle and having a bath are very high on my list yeah they're high on mine too (laughs) I think you also make a great point because I think I've learned along the way of how such small acts of kindness can mean so much just saying Mm. like oh Rosie I love your lipstick today Mm. and you know you could just be having the worst day and be like oh okay and I think how do you because the format of the book is so unique how do you Mm -hmm. kind of want people to use the book in their everyday life yeah well I think I mean it's really up to you it it is a book that you might sort of dip into and there are some beautiful doodle style illustrations in the book that were done by my friend Jackie Jones who's a fantastic artist and she really brought the books alive so it might be something that you yeah as I say have on your bedside table maybe read one a day Mm -hmm. or you might want to kind of photograph a page actually a few people have messaged me on Instagram saying oh I really loved this and I photographed it and sent it to a friend who needed a boost Um, it might be a book that you gift to somebody because we all need that reminder Um, and I think you know I just hope that it'll be really helpful and include lots of ideas that you might not have already thought of um, and just spread a little bit of joy Um, I think it's like a hug in book form I really liked that Emma Bunton described it like that which I thought really said it all that is a very good description and it is such a brilliant idea and I guess um I looked into kind of like I know you're really into your creative writing and you have written a lot of Mm. fiction books as well and I know that kind of your writing I think is quite similar to me and my kind of podcasting and sliding doors because I think you know I do this just for the passion there's no hidden Mm -hmm. agenda Mm -hmm. it's a real kind of like outlet for me and you know it's part of my purpose do you really feel like writing kind of your non-fiction and fiction work is that for you oh completely I I really feel it's my happy place it's my creative outlet and I need writing in my life and I feel a bit like I'm sort of in between books at the moment which is always like slightly scary 
very unnerving <laughs> place to be because I've, I've got sort of ideas they start sort of coming yeah. together in your head but I'm not even ready to write anything down yet to commit it to sort of paper or screen um and then once you get sort of into writing something especially when it's a novel you know I literally can lose myself in that yeah. world and the characters and it's a really amazing place to be um, so I feel that I need it in my life. And I think most writers would say the same. And mm -hmm. that's why I always encourage people, if you feel that it's in you in some way, you know, it is like a compulsion and do and just do it, you know, indulge yourself. Why not? You know, yeah. what have you got to lose? Um, but yeah, writing without fear is something that a lot of people have to get over. But yeah, for me, I have to have it in my life, really. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think for anyone having something, you know, we can all love our jobs and be passionate about what we do, but to have something that is kind of yours yes. and it's kind of, you know, it's your way of expressing yourself yeah. and kind of your creative outlet is so mm. important. And, and everything can inspire you. Of course. You know, even if something bad happens, you think, oh, well, maybe that can sort of help feed into an idea I was having or use it creatively. So I feel like it's lovely sort of, it's like a kind of a tool that I have. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you've been through so many experiences and you must just see things around you all the time where you're like, that's going to go in a book. That'll Ooh, go in a book. Yeah. <laughs> all in the kindest possible way. Exactly. Of exactly. And I know that, you know, Hello has such a brilliant reputation for being a really kind of trusted publication. Um, you build really long lasting relationships with the kind of celebrities and roles that you have. Do you feel like you're like that in your own life as well? Do you think that's why you've kind of been there so long and why you're so successful? Yeah, I think so. Because I think also at the end of the day, you have to keep a perspective in life. Yeah. You know, we are creating a, you know, very successful entertainment brand. Um, and, you know, we are not finding a cure for cancer or saving people's mm -hmm. lives every week. So I think, first of all, you have to have perspective. You know, we create the magazine that people are going to pick up and perhaps it transports them away from the worries and the stresses that they're going through in life for the brief amount of time that they take to sit down and read it. So, you know, first of all, it's got to be entertaining and you've got to enjoy putting it together because yeah. I think that, you know, shows on the pages. Same with writing a novel. You know, if you feel like you're so like up against the deadline, you're just doing it to get the words down and hit the deadline. I just don't think you're going to produce your best work. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to love what you do and feel passionately about it. And I certainly feel that way about Hello. And we've played the long game. You know, we sell with good news. We build mm -hmm. trusted relationships with the personalities that we feature on our pages. And, and I am intensely proud and protective of our kind ethos and positive tone. And it's really lovely to be in that kind of position where people come back to you time and time again. And that's why they want to work with you on a big occasion like their wedding or the first images of their newborn baby. Very precious personal moments. They choose to open those up to hello because they know that we will you know present it in an accountable trusted positive manner yeah mm. and it's really unique because I think you know there's so much that goes on in the media with trust and non-trust but even mm. in you know coming from the fashion industry I think you know these industries can get such a bad name for themselves with things you know yeah. like the devil wears Prada and all the things mm. that go out there and listen I think some of it 
is relatable. I think, you know, there are some unkind people in industries, but I think what I love about you and what Hello kind of promotes is something that kind of, again, shows that you can be successful, you can get far Mm -hmm. and you can do something you love and be a nice person. And and you get the best kind of content as well. I think we all know that when we feel sort of relaxed and supported and happy, then we're willing to give more. That doesn't mean to say in our interviews, we can't touch on delicate areas or difficult subjects, but we just do it in an an environment that makes somebody feel safe. And And I certainly carry that through to all aspects of my life, you know, Um, because life is short it's you never really know what is going on in somebody else's life so if you if you make a decision you're going to treat everybody with kindness and you're going to be an empathetic manager and you're going to carry through that you know into every element of of your life whether that's at work or not then you know it's a win-win situation Mm -hmm. it really Um, is yeah and also you know everything trickles down and as you say like one thing that you can say to someone could lead them to do something and you know yeah. it's this whole snowball effect. ripple effect yeah exactly and it's you're like your superpower yeah I talked to my boys about kindness being their superpower you know because you're much more likely to sort of be included in that game or have a friend share their favorite toy with you or for your parents to give you a treat if you yeah. do something kind so the great thing is that it comes back you know it gives back to you in bucket loads yeah oh I, I love that so much and I'm guessing as well you're quite like that with your you know circle of friends you kind of had the same friends for a long time in your life and all those long trusted relationships yeah yeah definitely and yeah you have to put the effort in as well Mm. it has to be a conscious thing doesn't just happen you know same as I believe in work you have to put the work in and the effort in things don't necessarily fall into your lap you're in control of your life and and where it's going to go so yeah so this book is meant to be like that constant reminder be kind be kind be kind you know I say it's my boys all the time sometimes <laughs> I just have to look at them and say and how are you going to react in that situation they sort of pause and they go be kind mummy right. it's like that's- yes because it's drilled into <laughs> yeah, you yeah that's all uh, you want yeah um so you must have had and you must get asked this all the time so I'm going to try and rephrase it but you've been in so you must have been in so many amazing situations done so many things in your career what is your kind of biggest pinch me moment where you were like, I cannot believe I'm here doing this right now? Ooh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, I guess going to weddings, things like that are always such a privilege because it's mm-hmm. not, I mean, that is not work, obviously, for the yeah. people that are getting married and all of their families. And you do get to meet a whole kind of, you know, side of a personality's life that is a real privilege to be invited into. Um, I remember one of my favourite interviews for Hello was, gosh, a decade ago now, I cannot believe um, I've been in a Hello time warp for so long, (laughs) Um, was um, Robbie Williams' wedding to Mm -hmm. Ida. And, uh, and I went over to LA and it was top, top secret. Nobody even knew that they were getting married, you know, within their family. They thought yeah. they were going over a big family party. And I did an interview with the two of them the day before the wedding in their bedroom, actually, at home, whilst the wedding was being kind of put up with kind of all Amazing. these teams of caterers and yeah. sort of wedding planners and designers rushing around making the garden look incredible. And that felt really exciting and special that I was in on this big secret with them, you know, on the biggest day of their lives. So that that was a really great one. And then, of course, you know, that all the rush that happened after that, trying to get everything together yeah. and, the, and the magazine was on sale just a few days later and we broke this world exclusive. But I think, you know, it's always a real privilege to sit down with someone and 
for perhaps the interview not be exactly what you thought it might be and they decide that they're going to take that moment to open up to you about an aspect of their life and I remember doing an interview once with Kim Cattrall who played Samantha in Sex and the City just as the series was coming to an end um it was for New Woman magazine that I worked for yeah many many years ago now it was over in New York and we did a cover shoot with her and I met her for an interview and we sat down and it was just a really moving interview and she mm-hmm. couldn't have been a more like the polar opposite of Samantha oh, and yeah she told me about that her marriage was over and really opened up and um and all my questions that I'd sort of prepared just were kind of you know ripped off and I went along yeah. with what she was telling me because you have to be open to that as mm-hmm. a journalist and that was a really moving interview and I walked away thinking wow you know she really trusted me there and that's perhaps when I started to feel that strong responsibility to convey this piece in the way that was true to her. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, And do you ever, do you take the time to kind of, I think we all find it very, very hard to sit back and be like, I did, you know, like I'm successful. I'm like, you know, really kind of like real in our success and be like, I can't believe I'm where I am today. Do Do you ever take the time to sit back and be like, you know, well done me? I suppose I don't really. I have to get better at that. Yeah, I, I think that we all comes do. into self-care, doesn't it? Yeah. And I feel really lucky. Sometimes I think, God, I'm so lucky to be in to be able to do this, you know, um, and have a job that is so interesting and varied and fast-paced. Um, sometimes it nearly kills me as well. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and, and that is really lucky. Um so yeah but I mean we're always constantly striving you know I'm always thinking of what's the next thing and you know um, never take it for granted either definitely you can do that more you can sit back and kind of say well done to yourself more now after this conversation okay you validated it for me (laughs) so before we talk about your moments I wanted to ask you um firstly are you a fan of the film Sliding Doors and then Mm. secondly what are your beliefs around the Sliding Doors concept so this idea of everything happening for a reason Mm. are our paths written could we go one way or the other way um what are kind of your beliefs around the concept yeah well I love the concept for this podcast I think it's such a good idea it's just brilliant and then I loved the film and I am a real romantic at heart as well yeah. you know the fiction that I write is sort of women's kind of romantic fiction although the last one was a bit more of a thriller but I, you know I'm very interested in that domestic kind of situations mm-hmm. and I do like the idea of the what-ifs but although I am a strong believer in that you make your own success you know you make stuff happen and you have to be present and not think oh well maybe that would have happened sort of anyway it's like no you have one chance this is one life you know grab it by the horns be in control um so yeah but it is obviously interesting to think gosh what would have happened if I'd gone down another path but then if you think you should have gone down that path then quick get on it you know (laughs) make that happen Um, it's so true yeah I'm very instinctive I think as well and I and same with my writing, you know, when you're writing about a character and you think, well, OK, so they were going to do this and that's the synopsis I'd worked out. But what if they don't? Mm-hmm. What if they don't go through that door? What if they walk off down the street and go through that door and something else happens? So, you know, that's one of the great things about writing, isn't it? You can live those sliding door moments out. Exactly. And you can live <laughs> out moments that you may have had or like think mm. about things you do. But you're right. I think that, you know, we do 
opportunities are presented to us and it's up to us where we take them mm -hmm. and I think what I love about chatting to people about their moments is you don't like to think about what would have happened if but sometimes it's good to think about it just to remember where you are and how you got there yeah um and your that moments are brilliant I'm really excited to chat about them oh I hope um, so so your first one is how I met my husband. So ah. we, you said we met at a pub and um, chatted and I had to leave. But then I went back and gave him my phone number and he asked me to marry him later that night. So, I mean, wow, there's like <laughs> so much I want to delve into here. There is. Um, so I guess um, you can kind of describe this moment in more detail, but like, why were you at the pub? Who were you with? How did yeah. you get chatting? Set, set the scene up for us. Okay, yeah, so... Um, well, I guess this is an example of making a sliding doors moment sort of happen or kind of reversing it. So it's not sliding doors, but um, yeah, making something happen. So it was February, Valentine's Day, oh. in fact, um, February the 14th, 2009. Yeah. And I was kind of a single sort of girl about town, had been sort of seeing a few guys, going for the bad guys, having yeah, a, sort of a few kind of wrong <laughs> relationships, um, but lots of fun. And I was with my best friend um still you know one of my closest girlfriends and we decided oh it's valentine's day so let's just hang out together we've gone and got our hair blow dried and then we've yep, gone back to it. hers and sort of vegetated for a bit and thought oh should we just get a curry and stay in and then thought no we've had a hair blow dry we must go out so we went out to a pub in parsons green yeah um a random pub that i hadn't actually been to before um but it was fairly close to where she lived and got chatting to these guys outside the pub. And one of them was Callum. And he had these sort of twinkling eyes and beaming face. And I just really enjoyed my little chat with him. It was yeah. just a lot of banter. And I remember he had this scar on his forehead. And I'd overheard him saying that he'd walked into a door on a shoot that day. So I thought, oh, shoot, is he in photography or oh, okay. maybe something similar to what I yeah. do? And, and um, we got chatting. Yeah, and he, he was in, sort of in photography. And he told this story. And he was just really funny. And, and there was just a little spark. Um, mm. And then we got a call from some other friends that were going to a party fairly nearby. And we thought we'll go off and meet them at this party. So we sort of left the pub, walked down the street and went about 10 paces. And I was like, oh, you know, Chrissy, I, I really liked talking to that guy. And she was like, I, I knew this. you did. And we sort of dithered around on the street a bit. And I thought, Oh, maybe I should just go back and give him my number. So we decided that I should write my number on a piece of paper oh and God. just go back and give it to him because I had nothing to lose. You yeah. know, I had no idea. He could have been married, could have been gay, he, you know, he could have been but in you a never relationship. Know. You never know. Yeah. So he'd gone into the pub by that point and was sat down at a table with a whole group of friends. And I so I didn't even look at him. I just sort of had my head down <laughs> and went, um, I really enjoyed speaking to you earlier. Here's my number if you want to go out for a drink sometime. It's I literally so it's like the confidence just to give the number. You're like, I can't look at him though when I, I do it. And then I just wanted to get the hell out of there. So I gave him my number anyway. And then we went off and I was like, okay, well, I've done it, you know, so who knows? Yeah. May never see him again. Um, and then we went off to this party, whatever. And then quite a bit later into the night, I got this call from an unknown number, you know, number I didn't recognize. I was like, oh my God. And he was like, hi, it's um, Callum, the guy from the pub. And I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> and, he, and he said, so when are we getting married? And I was like, um, what do you mean? He said, because this is a great story to tell at our wedding. Oh, I and love it, it's that. the weirdest thing. And I was just like, 
I feel like I'm going to get married to him. It was really odd. So we had a brief chat and we were both out on separate nights then. And he said, look, I'm going to give you a call in the week and we'll arrange a drink. That would be really nice. So obviously then I'm like waiting for him to phone. (laughs) As we always do. He did. And, um, And just from the beginning, it was just very straightforward. We just connected. He phoned when he said he was going to. Although it it, it did take a few, no, it did take quite a few weeks for us to actually go out on the date because as it turned out, he was kind of, kind of seeing someone that wasn't really working out. And, and I kind of was slightly, and we kind of got ourselves into a position where we could. And then I remember the day that we were going for a drink was actually, I was, I just started at Hello. Yeah. I'd been at Hello for about a year. And it was the day that Jade Goody died. And oh suddenly gosh. I was meant to be leaving work and this news broke and I knew I was going to have to work later. And I remember calling him saying, oh, God, I'm really sorry, but, you know, I've just got to be here doing this. And, and he, him saying, look, that's fine. I, you know, I've got loads of emails to do. I'm happy just sat here in this um, in this bar that I was meeting him at not far from my office. And I was about two hours late for the first oh drink. <laughs> And um and went along and then we were just sort of together from then. And Amazing. obviously he told that story at our wedding too. I was about later. to say, yeah. like he really <laughs> set the scene up for mm. the perfect wedding speech. He did. Yeah. Oh, so. I love this for I love this for so many reasons because mm. I first of all loved the, the kind of like how you've detailed the spark between you because I, I we all have that when we meet someone in a pub and then yeah. often we just go away yes. or you know, you don't see them again. So do you I mean, do you remember I, that feeling of just being like I'm just gonna give him my number like I think we all get a bit scared don't we well this is my top tip for single girlfriends now I've always said you know actually if you do get that spark with someone and it is rare you know where you just think oh I could just talk to you all night I just wanted to know everything about him he just intrigued me and there was a connection I think there is sometimes just a connection with someone and it is like a chemical or you know totally and I I just felt like we got on very easily and and I so my top tip is you know just give them your number you have got nothing to lose they won't call if they're married or you know they're not you know available or they didn't feel it too then that's fine. You haven't lost anything anyway. Exactly. You You're know, just putting yourself in the position in case. Yeah. yeah. Instead of letting it be a sliding doors moment where you just sort of go off and carry on with your life, you are in control, you know, make it happen. Yeah. So definitely. I'm so glad that I did that. Oh my yeah. God. And I hope you take the credit for the fact that you know, <laughs> made that move and he didn't. I do. Yeah. It's like, uh, I picked you, remember? Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, even then when you were speaking, I mean, there's a few things like you wouldn't, you know, you said you were going to stay in have a curry then you never would have gone to the pub then you went to the pub you may not have given him your number so do you ever think about I mean I know I always say this to people because it's not nice to think about not being with the person that's you know the love of your life but do you think about if you hadn't have gone out that night yeah but you know I'm as I say I am a romantic and it's like there are lots of people I'm so glad I found him and he's my husband it's great you know but there are lots of people out there for everybody I Mm -hmm. really do think and you have to sort of be out there and be sort of available and kind of make things happen if you do Mm. feel something I think definitely Um, so yeah I mean yes it is also random and I often think if I hadn't got my blow dry because I remember I was feeling like (laughs) my hair was horrible I probably wouldn't have got out or even had the confidence but that's the thing it all links it's like what you wear everything like that could have just given you that extra boost to be like I'm just gonna give him my number my hair looks great yeah (laughs) 
yeah it's so great it's such brilliant advice as I say anyone mm. just go and do it because you never know oh, you could do end it. up married yeah, give your number it's a romantic thing as well and I think he was just quite taken by that story as well because that had never happened to it made him feel really nice you yeah. know it's gonna really boost your confidence isn't it anyway even if Definitely. you don't can't call that person you'll think oh I feel great somebody I just got a number me. tonight totally oh yeah so what a brilliant brilliant story and I hope you'll tell that for like years and years <laughs> yes, to come yeah our sons now know the story and they find it very funny so, perfect yeah. oh, I love it so much there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, so your second moment is another brilliant one. So it's nearly taking a job at L in New York City, mm. but you decided to stay in the UK. So um, do you want to explain kind of what happened, how you offered the job and how you made the decision to not take yeah. it? Yeah, well, it was, I was working at Red Magazine in the UK, loved my job and, you know, been there for a while. I was celebrity um, editor there. So I used to secure the cover shoots. And as I say, you know, travel quite a lot to New York. So we were yeah. talking about Kim Control and, um, and LA for our shoots. And Red and Elle were owned by the same company and they had an office in New York. And sometimes I'd liaise with the celebrity editors or entertainment editors on different titles within the group, see whether, you know, there there was any content we could share or, you know, joint shoots. And I love New York. I mean, I really love that city. You know, one of my novels is actually based in New York. And um, so I was over there and going into Elle magazine felt so exciting because it's such a different um, set up to the way magazines were run in the UK. Everybody sits at their little individual desks. And uh, and I was over there and the editor, Robbie Myers, had said, you know, to pop in and say hello to her when I was there. So, and she was a big name, you know, mm-hmm. at the time, sort of LUS was a huge title. Um, and so I went in and had a chat with her and she talked about my job. And then she said, we we have actually got a maternity role vacancy for the, for the entertainment editor mm-hmm. on L, sort of. With, and it just came out of nowhere, you wow. know, would that be of interest to you? And I was like, oh, my God, I kind of wasn't expecting that. Um, but I just bought my flat in London. I had my little bachelorette. Yeah, flat <laughs> in Maze of Hill. It was tidy. I mean, it was like a Carrie Bradshaw flat because we I all start it. somewhere. I bought yeah. it because it had a walk-in <laughs> wardrobe, tiny room, Amazing. which they were like here's the office, and I was like, no, that's the walk-in wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was tiny, but it was just like I loved it. And I just got my flat, and kind of it just the timing wasn't right, and I was I was a bit concerned about what that would mean, just going over for a maternity cover mm. and sorting out the visa and everything for that, and 
you know you're not quite sure how long that might be and in the states because they you know often take a very short amount of time off to have a baby and so it just didn't feel right it didn't I didn't even progress it to the stage of being offered the job but I didn't pursue it any further Mm -hmm. and then um obviously my love affair with New York has kind of grown over the years and a little bit of me does always think oh what if you know I had taken that job with the path of may never have met Callum outside the pub sort of a number of years later definitely not um but the timing wasn't right for me so it's no regrets you know and I was very sort of conscious in the not taking that forward because I wouldn't have had then as well the career that I've had in magazines over in the UK and and it was important to be in my flat and so I think timing accounts for a lot doesn't it really definitely definitely does and I think as you said, like, I know you didn't progress it too far, but are you someone that, you know, when you make a decision like that, do you follow your gut? Do you kind of sit Mm. down and really like think, you know, do you think about things pragmatically? Like how do you make decisions like that? I am very instinctive. I think you know, you Mm. generally know. It's the same with whenever you've got a big conundrum in life and you're describing it to a friend, you kind of are telling yourself the answer generally and you have to trust your instinct I've known you know when you felt you've gone against it that oh it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. you know so instinctively I knew really um it wasn't a case of it didn't take you know too long so yeah although that it was quite appealing exactly and I mean it's also kind of like a good advice and example to speak about because we can be offered opportunities that seem like the best thing in the world and I think we often are quite scared to turn things down because you might not get offered it again and you know I can't say no you've got to say yes to everything but you know as you say it's all about timing and I think you know you need to take the time to think about is it right for you now doesn't mean it's not good I mean as you said look where you are now Um, I mean do you think about as we've you kind of mentioned it but do you think about how really different would your life have been? Like, would you have still been in New York? You wouldn't yeah, have been no, I today. don't really, because I mean, it was just one of those. I'm so glad that I didn't, you know, that mm-hmm. I didn't trust my gut because I'm, you know, happy with how things have worked out. I think it's harder if you're not having a great time, then you might yeah. look back and get lost in going down that rabbit hole of what ifs, but it's not a good place to be. And you have mm-hmm. to find a way to pull yourself out of that, I think, and really focus on what the facts are, what you know, what your life is. Um, so no, so I'm glad that I didn't. So your final moment is um, failing to get into Birmingham University, mm. uh, but you ended up at Sussex, which paved the way um, for your job in magazines. So mm. this resonated with me a lot because I had a really similar situation where mm. um, I didn't go to my first choice of uni. I went to my last choice of uni um, and that's okay. And it kind of all works out yeah. the way it's meant to. So did you always want to go to Birmingham? What did you want to mm. study? Like, tell us about kind of the course that you wanted to do mm. and what happened when you didn't get on it. Yeah. Well, I think there's so much pressure when you're yeah. at that age. And I really remember vividly doing my A-levels and finding it one of the hardest times sort of ever. Yeah. It was really tough studying for those A-levels. And I kind of sort of changed my choice of subjects as well at the last minute and somehow convinced myself to drop art and do economics instead. Really? <laughs> just totally bizarre I think my dad convinced me that it was a really important subject to have as you got older and I just it wasn't me at all you know I'm a language English language person and 
And I knew I, I wanted to do history degree. That, that was always mm -hmm. my subject, actually, you know, very writing focused and just always had a love of history. Put down Birmingham thinking this big university. And I was from London um, mm -hmm. and I had a friend who had an older um, sister or no older brother who'd been there. And I'd gone and stayed with them for one weekend and just loved it and, you yeah. know, been out on the student scene um, and then sort of didn't get the grades to get there, but got did get into my second choice, which is Sussex University, sort of a bit closer to home down in Brighton. Um, so, but it felt like a real, you know, I felt like I'd failed, you know, mm -hmm. it's that. But now looking back, it's just you know you you have not failed at all you know that so-called failing you know leads you down the path to something else you know and you have to sort of switch the internal language that that you use actually you know seeing if sort of thinking well what if I found don't get in there but what if I succeed at Sussex mm -hmm. and things go really well there exactly. so I got into Sussex and it ended up being the best thing ever I mean I loved my uni years mm -hmm. not so much for the studying but for the social <laughs> life Exactly. And, uh, the, you know, the fun that we had putting on club nights and, you know, the friendships that I made there that are still some of my closest friends to this day. And um, also did my history degree there. And it was a 60s university, um, very sort of focused in anthropology as well mm -hmm. and people. And my tutor, I actually specialised in the history of fashion in my final year, again, yeah. which is probably something that wouldn't have been on offer somewhere like Birmingham. Exactly. And my tutor, Carol Diehouse, used to write for Marie Claire and Elle and a number of the glossies. And I just became really interested in that and had never really, really seriously thought about journalism as a career before mm -hmm. meeting her what then. did you want to be when you were younger well I was always interested in writing I didn't really know and there is yeah. a lot of pressure on you to decide so much pressure both my parents were teachers so I remember thinking oh god I bet I'll end up being a teacher but I don't know if that's really what I want to do you know yeah and it just takes one person to chat in, feel that spark and that excitement about what they do because they're so passionate about it as well and so so actually going to Sussex ended up being the best thing for me. And once I graduated, I worked for a book publishers down in Brighton as I stayed in Brighton for three years afterwards before coming back to London, getting my first job at a magazine. Um, so, yeah, from that moment of not going to Birmingham, you mm -hmm. know, and doing a very much more academic kind of focused history degree, something a bit different actually played into my real passions. It really and did. Loves. And I think it's you're so right. The pressure that we have when we're that age is immense. And oh. I think we often think if we don't get into the top university, we're not going to succeed when actually yeah. it's kind of like small fish, big pond, big fish, small mm. pond type scenario, because I think that. I think the message that we can kind of push to people is, is that you can succeed anywhere. It's you, yeah. you're the person it's, you know, where yeah. you are and your surroundings yeah. doesn't have to define kind yeah. of if you're going to be successful. And I'm guessing that you've made like lifelong friends as well. At, at oh Sussex. God, completely. Yeah. yeah. Amazing group of friends who are still my closest now. And, you know, and I learned a lot about all different types of people, the going out that we were doing and all of that you know, has stood me in great stead for what I do now, being able to be dropped in any situation as a journalist and kind of, you know, be able to get on with people. Yeah. And um, and it, it depends how you um, sort of classify success. 
as well you know and it's not and I'm learning this by you know becoming a mother as well and watching my boys through their education you know what I call success isn't getting the highest grades you know in the class it's being you know a a sort of an empathetic young person Mm -hmm. who can be the person that brings their friends together that's you know um able to communicate well describe how they feel all of those things are just as important they really are they really are and I love that you kind of as you said like connected with that one person um you kind of had had that and you'd never thought about glossy magazines because like you know if you'd never have met her yeah you know you would never have opened up what what was your do you remember when you got your first job in London and kind Mm. of like was it like did it just feel incredible I remember it very well yeah because I worked at a children's book publishers down in Brighton you know along with working in bars and stuff to supplement the wage it was very small um and then I worked there for sort of about three years and then I saw a job advert for editor of Barbie magazine oh my <laughs> god <loved it. laughs> which is kind of I didn't hilarious. even know there was a Barbie magazine yeah it makes it's still a lot of sense. going yeah it's still going wow. it comes out fortnightly and it's all about Barbie and um and because I'd worked at children in children's books and I was kind of aware of sort of matching content with um books you know with the key stages kids were um studying at school so I went for this job and obviously with my background the sort of hit the history of fashion kind of love of magazines yeah. sort of life um and I got the job yeah so that was my first job Amazing. in magazines I moved back to London it was just me and a designer putting together this magazine and I I used to write it edit really? it oh my god just do the whole thing send it off to production um so I learned you know very quickly about all stages of the editorial yeah. process um and obviously it's a licensed title so it's owned by Mattel who owned the Barbie yeah. brand so it was licensed publishing but you know learned a huge amount there wow. uh, working with them and it was really good fun and we you shared... you know everything about Barbie I, I do I mean it's quite <laughs> hilarious we shared an office with 2000 AD do you remember wow. that magazine oh my god yeah like comic magazine and they were it was almost like a cult that magazine they were really into it oh you know <laughs> and um and then we went we would like be the Barbie side of the office wow. and all the dolls and we'd do photo shoots with the dolls because we'd have to showcase a new doll on the cover yeah. and it used to be hilarious having them in a fish tank with bubbles and kind of all oh kinds my... of things oh I love it but that. it was really creative and, but as and you really say, good like... fun you probably never would have been like, I want to work at Barbie magazine, but you took the opportunity and actually it's where you learned your craft. And, yeah. you know, I think that's another brilliant th- message to say to people is, is that you don't have to get the dream right no, off the beginning. You can really does? learn along I the mean, way. I mean, very few people do. And I yeah. really grafted, you know, from the book publishers, I went from work experience, totally unpaid to editorial assistant to work my way up to project editor. You know, I've had no sort of just getting into the industry through any kind of context. Yeah. I've literally done it from the bottom up, um, which I feel really proud of. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's possible if you kind of dream big enough, I think. And I'm prepared, as you say, to do whatever it takes. But I did feel a strong sort of sense even then about being a feminist and this sort of responsibility that I had you know, with a title and a brand as big as Barbie to be convey a responsible image 
to girls because yeah even though it's barbie magazine it's still being read by like yeah that barbie was going to be empowering and sort of brave and you know the words that i was using so really starting to think like an editor you know from Mm. then about the ethos of what you're doing and i did have some arguments with mattel about things that i wanted to write (laughs) and whether that fitted in with their image of barbie and it's come a long way since then because that was over 20 years ago now so yeah. So there you go. You were part of the revolution of well, Barbie, I hope which is so. something you get so. a lovely hope, thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you ever think about how different would your life have been if you had got into Birmingham? Do you, mm. do you think you'd be sat here right now as editor of Hello? I don't like- know. Gosh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, who knows? Maybe I would have had that same realisation about what I was doing. I mean, I think... The Sussex was very suited to me in the style of university that it was. It was quite, yeah, as I say, it was a 60s university and it was a little bit more relaxed and kind Mm -hmm. of into sort of culture as much as academia, which really did suit me. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, so who knows? Oh, no, an archaeologist. That's what I was interested in being. I nearly did an archaeology degree. That's interesting. Uh, At one point. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe I'd be on a dig somewhere. You never know. I mean, I still feel like you always would have been an author in some way, shape or form, because I feel like that's always been a passion of yours. The writing always has. Yeah, my mum takes great delight in, um, you know, bringing back home, you know, over bits of writing that I did sort of throughout my young years. And I kept a diary and things like that. I was always a prolific writer. So I think that would have always been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you never know. You, As you say, you could have been off digging somewhere, but now I you're know. at royal weddings and, yeah. you know, looking to old. <laughs> Rosie, it's been so lovely to chat to you. I think the message that you portray of kind of the power of kindness is just so important to everyone. And your book is such a little kind of gem of lovely oh. things that we can do. And I want to make sure that you also, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for being kind and spreading it, because I think we all need to kind of sit back sometimes and say well done to ourselves. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. And a pat on the back to you too, for giving me that platform. You've given kindness a platform. So thank you. A pleasure. Thanks so much, Rosie. Thanks, Jenny. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.